The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a beautiful psalm, a poem, and can be used for many different things, a, a prayer in a time of grief, a prayer when you're seeking comfort, a prayer for the end of 2020. There's a lot that can be said of Psalm 23, a lot that it teaches us about relationship with God and being in the presence of God and, and the life that God offers us with his presence. But I want to hone in and focus today on just the last verse of Psalm 23, and there's a little phrase there that often gets overlooked when we, when we talk about Psalm 23 with all the imagery of, of the shepherd and the pasture and, and uh, the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, but, but I think this last verse has something very powerful for us. And it's this idea of that surely God's goodness and loving kindness will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This idea of goodness is found throughout scripture. It's an important word to, to who God is. It's an important word to who uh, we are as, as God's people. Uh, uh, this word goodness uh, comes from the Hebrew word tov, uh, which means good. Uh, tov, you've probably, you probably heard of this word before, if, if you've heard the Jewish phrase, mazel tov, mazel tov. Uh, it's this expression of goodwill or good luck or congratulations. Uh, but tov uh, has a, a pretty wide meaning throughout scripture. Uh, it, it has, uh, in its most essential form, it means uh, good or goodness or well-being or well-ordered. Uh, it's a noun. It's also an adjective and an adverb. I'm not even sure what all that means. Uh, but some of the, the meanings, the way it's used throughout Scripture, you'll find that it not only means good, but it means beautiful, best, bountiful, cheerful, at ease. You'll hear, hear it used as graciously or joyful or kindly, kindness, pleasant, pleasure, precious, prosperity, ready, sweet, wealth, welfare, favored. There's this uh, it, it means quite a lot. There's this widespread meaning that it's used throughout Scripture of this word, tob. It's used over 700 times in Scripture. And I think it, it's used so often because there's something very important here when it comes to who God is and, and what life is like with God. There's a goodness that comes from his presence. And if, as we think about this next year, uh, for Desert City, for, for Paradise Church, for this future that we're, we're planning together. Here is my prayer and my wish and maybe even my word for, for 2021. My prayer is that we would develop a culture of goodness as a church. 
We would develop a culture of tov, that there would be this, this goodness that just permeates everything within our, our congregation. That, that we would be a, a culture that reflects who God is and his character, and that would, uh, that would shape how we interact with one another. That there would be a goodness culture here. So goodness is this, uh, this theme that's found throughout Scripture, and it's important for us. And if we want to know why goodness is so important, and why this is my hope and my word for us for 2020, is because goodness first and foremost starts with God. Goodness first and foremost starts with God. Because God is good. God is good. Sometimes uh, we just need to be reminded of God's goodness. The psalmist says this in Psalm 119, that you are good and that you do only good. God's very character is goodness. He's a good God. We see this throughout the Old Testament. In fact, there's this really interesting story that takes place in uh, Exodus chapter uh, 33, and it's the Israelites have left Egypt, and they've gone out to Mount Sinai. They've been freed from 400 years of slavery, and Moses goes to meet with God, and they're trying to find out what is our identity as a people? What is going to be the thing that guides us? Uh, we, we, we have an understanding of who this God is, and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and he's like, Lord, you've told me I'm here to lead. You've told me uh, who you are and, and what we're doing, but I, I don't know how to communicate this with your people. We don't even know what your name is. Can you reveal just a little bit more to us about who you are so we have an understanding of what we've got ourselves into? And they go back and forth, and, and God says, my presence is going to be with you, and, and, and with that presence, there's going to be rest and protection. And Moses is like, that's great. And in fact, we don't, want to, we don't even want to go anywhere without the presence of God, without your presence with us. But, but we need more. <laughs> Tell us more about who you are. And finally, God decides to reveal himself to Moses. And he tells Moses, uh, I'm about to pass by you, and my goodness will pass by you. And, and, but God warns him, he says, when this goodness passes by you, I'm going to actually hide you into uh, it, the, the, the cleft of this cliff here. Because my presence and the glory of my presence and goodness is so overwhelming and so intense that if you see it, you will no longer be able to live. I mean, imagine the intensity, like, when you stare at the sun for a while and it, like, blinds you or you see a blinding light, um, it's something that's, like, a negative thing that's, like, overwhelming. But this is, this is a blinding light of goodness, the glory of God, and it comes and it passes before Moses. And, and it says that God covers Moses' eyes with his hands and he passes by his glory and his goodness passes by Moses. Afterwards, uh, when Moses finally comes down from the mountain. And, 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 and by the way, when, when God does this, he attaches his name. This is where he says, I will be, we have this identification of his goodness. He says, I will be Yahweh. Moses comes down from the mountain to tell the people what he has experienced in the presence of God. And it says that his face is glowing, that, that it was like radiating. And people see him and they're like, Moses, are you okay? Like his, his face is just, I, I try to picture what that would look like. Is it actually like rays coming from his face? Um, I, for some reason in my mind, this isn't right, and it's probably blasphemous, but, but I always think of like what Moses' face looks like after he experiences like God's presence and it's glowing. Uh, it reminds me of like the, the, the TV show Friends, you know, the one with Ross's tan, 
where like Ross goes and he, he gets like the spray on tan and he comes back and he does it wrong. He ends up getting like a double, you know, spray and he comes back and, uh, you know, like Chandler like sees him and he's like, whoa, like what happened? And he's like, I went to the spray on tan place and he's like, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't go to like the surface of the sun? And like Ross's face is just like this orange pumpkin color. Like I, I think maybe that's like what, what Moses came down from the mountain after he had experienced the goodness of God and his face is just radiating. Who knows what that looked like? But he experiences God's presence, his essence, and God says, my goodness will pass in front of you. God is good as very nature, and it's such a good goodness that it is this intense presence in our lives. So God is good, but then also God does good. And we see this throughout Scripture, and especially in the Old Testament, we have story after story of God who just... Uh, after he, there's this covenant relationship with his people, where he's just faithful and he wants the best for them and he doesn't give up on them, even with all the times that they turn away from God, we see him doing good again and again and again. In Joshua, there's this passage that after the Israelites go into the land that's been promised to them and they've had all these promises from God, uh, when, when they, they are finally starting to settle the land, In Joshua chapter 21, it says, Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything came to pass. This God who is good does good, and his good promises in the lives of his people, it all comes to pass. It all comes to fulfillment. God is good, and God does good. Goodness starts first and foremost with who our God is. And then scripture also tells us about this tov, this goodness, uh, that God pursues us with goodness. God pursues us with this tov, with this who his character is. As it, it pursues us, as Psalm 23 said, as we just mentioned, that surely your goodness and unfailing love will follow me. Another translation says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. God pursues us with this goodness. This is a God of love. This is a God of relationship. And it pursues his people with that goodness. God is good. God does good. God pursues us with this goodness. Last year, there was a book written by Laura Berenger and Scott McKnight called A Church Called Tove, A Church Called Good. Uh, A wonderful book, would encourage you to grab it. It's going to be helping guide us uh, through the next few weeks in this series. Um, But they say this, they say, don't miss this about God's pursuit. Don't miss this. God relentlessly and tenaciously chases us with goodness, with tove. This Uh, Those who turn to him for refuge are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. Those who taste this goodness can also say how good it is to be near God. I love that idea. God relentlessly and tenaciously chases us with that goodness. The Psalms talk about this goodness of God that we taste and see that he is good. We experience him with our senses, with our lives. It's good to be near God. God is good. God does good. God pursues us with his goodness. 
And then also God's design for creation is goodness. When you look at the start of our holy scripture, our story, our sacred text, back in Genesis chapter 1, when God is ordering creation, there's this old Hebrew poem that talks about his goodness. And, and this is important because with all of these old, like old religions and creation stories, the story is always that the gods are up in the heavens and they're angry and they have this, this fight and out of the chaos, matter is made and the earth is created and the material world is created out of the chaos and the anger. The Hebrews who had this understanding of how God created, though, talk about how the earth is formless and empty. And out of the chaos, God brings order to creation. And at the end of each day of him creating, he would look at the creation and say, that's good, that's tov, that is well-ordered. That is, that there's something goodness about the creation, uh, how God has, has set all of this world in place with a goodness which means that there is purpose and design and meaning to everything. And, and, and when things are in order with God, there's this peace and shalom and goodness, even for us as humans, made in the image of God to reflect who God is and what God is like. And when we are living as God designed, there's this goodness for humans. That's the, the capacity to love others unconditionally love God and love others and and in this well-ordered creation when we are living as God has designed what we have is this goodness the early story of creation talks about the goodness so to love is good my desire for us to develop a goodness culture in this church comes from the fact that it, goodness starts first and foremost with our God our creator the, the, the being who is sovereign in our lives, who is good, who does good, who pursues us with goodness, who empowers us to be stewards of this good creation. And a goodness culture forms when individuals are good like our God and do good like our God. So what does that mean for us? If we're forming this goodness culture, um, if we are good and we are doing good, it starts with this, that goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, Scripture tells us that uh, we aren't just like naturally good. And I, I think that we've seen that in 2020. Um, there's a brokenness that is here. Um, and so if we want to be good to reflect our God, uh, goodness comes from God's presence in our life and God's work in our life. And so goodness as a fruit of the Spirit is what the Apostle Paul says, that there's this idea that there's evidence that God is in our lives and there's formation that comes from abiding in that presence of God. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit, of evidence that God is with us. John 15 talks about this idea of abiding like a vine in the branches. And from that abiding, we produce good fruit. It doesn't just come naturally from who we are. It comes from who God is. That goodness is a fruit of the spirit of our relationship with him, and it flows out of us. God transforms us. He renews us to be good again. Goodness is also not just a fruit of the spirit, but it's a thing that is active in our world. Goodness is something that is active in our world. In Acts chapter 10, there's this uh, interesting story where Peter is telling about who Jesus was and what Jesus has done. And he talks about the activity of Jesus 
on earth as Jesus lives his life and as Peter experiences it. And he says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Holy Spirit, empowerment, presence, God is with him. Jesus is going around doing good. Now, for the Greeks, this idea of goodness, they have a whole bunch of different phrases for it, but one used here is this word, eugerides, gerides, eugerides. Um, I'm not Greek, so I'm mispronouncing it the way I want to. Um, but it comes from this idea of you, which means good, and ergides, which is like working or action or doing. And so there's this good work, this good action that Jesus is doing with his life, the eugerides. The, the passage goes on to say this. It says, we are witnesses of everything he did, these good works that he did, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What Peter is doing here is he's not just talking about the good works of Jesus, that, that goodness is in action. He's actually proclaiming the gospel message, the gospel story. Goodness is tied to the gospel of, of what Jesus has done to, to take all the things that have messed up the goodness of this world and, and to make them good again. So goodness is not only tied to good works, but it's tied to this, this good news. The very, the very word gospel for the Greeks is, is the idea of euangelion, once again, a good message or a good declaration that God has done this great and good work in this world, which allows us to be good. Now, when you think about what this is, is that the gospel is all about God's goodness coming to us through Jesus who is good, and thus making us agents of goodness. Goodness is an action that God and his goodness comes to us through Jesus, who is good, that allows us to become agents of this goodness. The goodness culture stems from our gospel story of our good God, who has moved on our part, making us good through Jesus so that we can be good to others. There's this activity that takes place in goodness. And for a goodness culture, we participate in this message where we lay down our lives for others so they may experience God's goodness as well. Then also, goodness not only is it an action, but it's a, it's a, it's a reaction. It's a, a resisting of evil. Uh, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, and, and these are all things that you experience the evidence of God in your life, right before that they talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the goodness. There's a list of things that, that goodness is actually a resistance to, a resistance to the way that the world works. And I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage. He says this in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, when it comes to goodness as resistance. 
It says, it is obvious that it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, a vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Such great words from Eugene Peterson to take this list of the way that the world operates and what happens when we start operating on our own power and we move away from goodness is, is a toxic culture. And what goodness does is it's this resistance to evil and resistance to toxic culture. It, it allows for, for life-giving culture to burst forth. And then finally, goodness is compelling and contagious. A goodness culture is compelling and contagious. And in a world where, uh, where, where goodness is hard to find, in a world that is full of outrage and division and strife and all of those things listed in Galatians 5. We who are God's people, his church, when we want to talk about the truth of God, and people experience truth now from, from experience, they determine truth from experience, a life-giving goodness culture allows for this message of Jesus to permeate, permeate through the culture and society. When we are, are being a goodness culture, it's, it's, it's compelling to others and it's contagious. This is why Jesus tells us to have unity and to love one another. This message that we carry is sacred and it's, it's holy, it's set apart. Therefore, we live differently in this world as we live in this goodness culture. Second Peter Chapter 1 says this, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. Think of that going back to the, the story of Moses. Called us to his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, Love, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from in their past sins. What a great passage of, of 
this is what makes us effective, compelling, contagious. This goodness that, that, that builds on itself, that gives us more knowledge of who God is, that helps us reflect who God is to people around us. I want to end with this story uh, that a couple of years ago, during March Madness, uh, I, I do a bracket every year with my friends, and you know, March Madness is the college basketball, for those of you who, who don't know, um, college basketball tournament. Um, that you know that you have 64 teams. You try to choose like who's going to advance in each round. And um, I love college basketball. Yet I never win March Madness. In fact, my my wife Marcy sometimes will beat me uh, in March Madness brackets, and and that's okay. I'm totally cool with that. Um, but March Madness, I, I never win. Well, I I just so happened to win my March Madness bracket back in 2019. And if you remember all the way back then, before 2020. Um, the University of Virginia won the, the whole thing. They won it all. And, uh, and it's interesting that they won, and I, I, I chose them to win, because the year before, in 2018, Virginia was the number one seed, and they got knocked out in the first round. And it's the first time uh, a number one seed has ever lost in the first round in the history of the tournament. And so going into 2019, I just, I, I was like, you know what, I bet you they, they are so like ashamed of that loss that they've worked hard all year long, they have a great coach, and I bet you they're just going to win it all. It's the only way they can redeem themselves is to win it all this year. So pick them to win, they end up winning. And I started following the story of Virginia basketball throughout that, that you know, four-week period of March Madness, and, and I just fell in love with their coach, this guy named Tony Bennett. And after they won the championship, uh, he, he gives this interview and he talks about like the loss in 2018 in the first round of the number one seed. And he called it the painful gift, that it was something that just, uh, it, it, it was so embarrassing and something they were so ashamed of. And yet it, it changed their, their mindset as a team. And they came back the next year and won it all. Um, right after he had won it all, after, after everything they had gone through in that year, um, the university came out and decided to give Tony Bennett an extension and a raise. They wanted to keep him. And I was following this because I wanted the Phoenix Suns to go and hire Tony Bennett. Um, but he ends up taking this extension. But then what he does is he takes the raise, the money that he was given, and he says, I will only agree to this contract if you take that money and you start to pay out uh, raises to my, my, uh, my assistant coaches and invest this money back into the program. And, and he's like, I, my wife and I were good, we're set. And uh, we're just excited to be here, and we're excited about the culture that we're building. And so Tony Bennett ends up sacrificing uh, the, the, the increase that he got with this extension to allow that to go back into the program, which builds even more resonance, and, and, and it creates this compelling culture of Virginia basketball. Um, and, and that's a cultural issue. That's a cultural thing where they have a coach that's willing to sacrifice for the good of everyone else around him. It's a culture of goodness. It's a championship culture. When we think about my, my desire, my hope, and, and hopefully all of us, is we want to create a culture of goodness uh, with our church, something that resonates with other people, something that's contagious, that comes from us being willing to sacrifice and love as God has loved, um, that, that, that comes from us being in tune with the God who is good, who does good things, who pursues us with goodness. Uh, the goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. It comes from us abiding in Christ and, and, and abiding in the presence of God. Goodness requires action, us doing good things. It's resisting evil, resisting things that are toxic. And that goodness is something that's compelling. 
Our, our hope this year is to be a goodness culture as a church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word to us, that you're a good God, that you are Tob. Lord, we want to experience that goodness today and this year. Lord, we want to uh, not only experience it, Lord, we want it to flow out of us to other people. That there's a goodness here that, that uh, it would permeate our, our community, but also, Lord, it would, uh, that, that it, would, it would have a huge reach in this community as it flows out of us. Lord, we know that you are the one who makes us good. And so, Lord, we just ask for you to work in our hearts and in our soul. Work in our lives, Lord, to be the people that you've designed us to be. That this would be a year of goodness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.